I'm grateful uh, that we get to be together today. I'm grateful for the opportunity to preach. I love to do it. Uh, two weeks in a row, uh, Pastor Nick preached and then Scott Klusendorf last week. I got to preach at one of those times uh, in the middle of the week to a group of pastors, uh, but love this opportunity to, to stand before a group of people that we can together open up the very Word of God and see what God has for us in it on this day. And so just a note on where we're headed. So we're going to finish Hebrews chapter 11 today. Um, and there's two more chapters left in Hebrews, and we're going to cover those in the month of January. We should take a break between about now and Christmas to do something a little different. What we're going to do next week, really to prepare us for Thanksgiving, is we're going to do so. We're going to actually shift like the order of the worship service and a number of other things to, to try to give a, a space for us to recognize that we live in a world amongst the people and we are people who are hurting in all sorts of different ways. And we don't want to be people that just kind of like, you know, paste on a happy face and just try to forget about things for a while, but we want to bring our hurt before God. And so next week, we're going to be, uh, the worship service is really going to be focused on that. So if you've got friends uh, that are hurting, uh, this might be a good time for you to invite them uh, to join us for that. So uh, looking at uh, lament, what does it look like to hope in God and be thankful even when we're hurting? We're going to do that next week, and then we're going to spend the four weeks leading up to Christmas uh, we've, we've typically just walked through a short book of the Old Testament in the weeks leading up to Christmas. Uh, we're 10 years in now, and I mistakenly uh, did a sermon series on the short books of the Bible. So we walked through a bunch of short... We don't have any short books of the Old Testament left to do. Uh, and so this year, in the weeks leading up to Christmas, we're just going to look at three chapters in the Old Testament book of Judges. Looking at the account of Gideon from chapters 6 to 8 in Judges, and, sh and looking at how Gideon gets us to Jesus. And so we're going to be doing that in the four weeks leading up to Christmas. Uh, and by the way, uh, if you're new here, what we do uh, on Christmas Eve is we gather together like a lot of churches do. Uh, we do in the early evening Christmas Eve worship service in here. And then it just so happens this week, uh, this year, that Sunday uh, is the very next day. And so we'll be gathered together on Saturday night for a Christmas Eve worship service and then a different worship service uh, on Christmas morning. So uh, that's what's coming up in the rest of November and December. Uh, grateful, though, that uh, Scott could be in the pulpit, that Pastor Nick could be in the pulpit, um, and grateful for the way that God just works things out. So Pastor Nick started us off in Hebrews chapter 11, and now we're going to finish it this week. But did you notice, maybe you picked up on this too, that last week when Scott Klusendorf was here, that he drew our attention to Hebrews chapter 11. Did you notice that? He did it when he was trying to contrast a secular idea of faith. And he said the secular idea of faith is like a blind leap in the dark. That's what faith is in the secular world. Faith equals a blind leap in the dark. But he says, no, a biblical understanding of faith is trust based on evidence. Trust based on evidence. And then he took us to Hebrews chapter 11 to show us the definition, which Pastor Nick pointed out two weeks ago. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it begins... I'm in 1 Corinthians 11. Let me move to the right chapter. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 begins, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. That doesn't mean faith, that's not saying faith is a blind leap in the dark. It's the assurance and the conviction of things that are hoped for but not yet seen. 
Okay? That's what a biblical definition of faith is. Pastor Nick talked about how faith brings present reality into contact with future eternity. And Nick also pointed out to us the word commended that showed up a lot at the beginning of chapter 11. That God's approval was given to these characters in the Old Testament based on their faith. The first 22 verses took us all the way through the book of Genesis. So Pastor Nick, in one sermon two weeks ago, in under 30 minutes, mind you, uh, walks us all the way through the book of Genesis to show how God was at work in people by faith. Now, I'm going to, in maybe a little over 30 minutes today, take us through the other 38 books of the Old Testament, okay? Uh, Because that's really what happens in verses 23 to the end of the chapter. The rest of the Old Testament is going to be covered. We're going to read all of them right now, verses 23 to 40, because I want you to hear the repetition. And what I want you to hear is the repetition of this phrase, by faith or through faith, And I also want you to hear and take note of how after you hear that phrase, by faith, you're going to see an action connected with it. So there is faith, this assurance of things hoped for, this conviction of things not seen, and that's going to lead to an action. So if you're able to, would you stand as we read the very word of God, Hebrews 11, 23 to 40. We need help. Let's pray. God, I need help. I want the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart to be pleasing in your sight. We need minds uh, that are attentive as we cover a whole bunch of ground, uh, really uh, summary in many ways of 38 uh, books of the Bible uh, in one sermon. God, help us to be attentive to see how your people throughout history have been commended because of their faith that led to certain action. So help us to see this as we look at your word and your spirit works in us now. In Jesus' name, amen. God's word from Hebrews 11, starting in verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured refusing to accept release, 
so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. You can be seated. Well, inside your bulletin uh, is a sermon notes page. Lots of things in there today, but a sermon notes page and life group guide uh, that gives you a little outline if that's helpful for you as you follow along today. You noticed as I read, even those first verses, a lot of them focused on Moses who were introduced to in the book of Exodus. That's the second book of the Bible. Now, I know some of you come from a background where you've, you've grown up hearing stories uh, from the Old Testament, maybe even studied the Old Testament a decent amount on your own. Well, others of you, these things might sound pretty foreign to you. Recall that the audience that Hebrews is directed to was a Jewish audience who would have had a great deal of familiarity with these stories. That's why he doesn't go into them in detail, just refers to them trusting that they know all of the details there. But what we see in these first verses, 23 to 28, is we see obedience by faith in the face of very fearful situations. So speaking of fearful situations, notice right off the bat, when we're hearing about Moses' parents, fearful situation at that time is the edict from the king is every baby boy needs to be put to death. It says, though, that they're not afraid of that, and so they hide him for three months, and then we know the story maybe of how he's put in a basket and then adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. And then we see the people of God. As we remember the book of Exodus, remember the situation, the people of God are enslaved in Israel. They're treated very cruelly, given less and less material and expected to do more and more production. 400 years of living in slavery. And Moses, because of his position of privilege, he's got like a get-out-of-slavery-free card. He was, he was adopted by the right family. Yet, we see Moses being obedient to God's call for him to go into Egypt and then to leave Egypt. We see that in verses 24 through 26. Moses could have had privilege and pleasure and security and riches. He could have had all that. But here we're told that Moses instead chose mistreatment and reproach. Why does he do this? It says it in verse 26. It says that Moses did this. Why? He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. What we're going to see and what we have seen already in this is this way in which they are, these, these Old Testament heroes are commended by their faith. Their faith looking ahead. Did you notice it even mentioned the reproach of Christ there? Right? So, so Moses wouldn't have known the name of Jesus or even much about God's promises about a coming Messiah yet at this point. Yet by faith, he's looking ahead. I made a drawing a few years ago. I've shown it before. I'm really good at art. <laughs> uh, and... 
No, I'm not. Uh, but, but, but an illustration that I think helps us to see what we're seeing here in the book of Hebrews. That you've got people like Moses standing on the rock-solid foundation of God's promises, God's law, later on the prophets, and all of that pointing ahead to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, who is the Christ or the Messiah that Israel was hoping in. It was this, this one to whom their faith was pointed. And we, on the other side, we're just doing the same thing. We're also living by faith, commended by faith, gaining God's approval by faith. How? By looking back at the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and looking ahead to his second coming. Okay, so you can go ahead and get off of that slide, Elijah. That's enough of that. And then you hear of Moses then leaving Egypt. It says in verse 27, By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid. That's the second time we've seen that phrase. Not being afraid of the anger of the king. Right? The, the Pharaoh wasn't like, oh, you want to leave? Yeah, that's fine. Like his labor force, just, just go ahead and take the people. That's fine. No, but, but Moses, not being afraid of the anger of the king, why? For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Faith is the conviction of things not seen. Moses could not see God. He could not see the Messiah, yet, yet he is enduring because he was by faith seeing what was invisible. And then speaking of fear, I mean, there's the plague of the firstborn, verse 26. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Moses obediently keeps the Passover sacrificing the lamb, putting the blood of the lamb above the doorpost that, that the destroyer might pass them over as the firstborn are slain. And then we get to verses 29 to 31. We see obedience again here, but I think it shows up in really surprising ways in verses 29 to 31. Sometimes God's people must obey in the face of fearful situations, and sometimes God expects obedience from his people in some really surprising situations. Look at verses 29 to 31. Just imagine yourself being one of these people. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. Right? You, you've known, they've seen, they've been standing on the shore, seeing the power of this huge body of water, uncrossable by any means that they have on their own, yet they see God parting the Red Sea, Water on this side, water on that side, and they're walking through, how? By faith. The Egyptians who come after them then being drowned. Then we go to the next verse, verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. So now we're into the book of Joshua, right? And in the book of Joshua, you might recall that Israel runs up against the snag. As they enter the promised land, there's this fortified city with, with walls around it and people living within it that God has called them to destroy. And, and so I can just imagine, you know, guys kind of sharpening their swords, getting their spears ready, getting the rams to take down the wall, whatever is necessary to win this battle. Yet how does God intend for Israel to win this battle? A marching band marathon, Right? Like, let's do a whole week of marching band. There's like band camp, right? Just going around Jericho until the walls fall down. Obedience in surprising ways often. And then 
They are to devote to destruction all who are within that city, save one person. And who is the one that God elects to save there in Jericho? A Gentile prostitute of all people, right? So surprising things that we see as we walk through the pages of the Old Testament, particularly there in the book of Exodus and then Joshua. And then we go on to verses 32 to 35. Maybe you noticed even as I was reading Scripture how my tone changed after verse 35 because the tone of the text changes quite a bit. You noticed maybe as we looked at 32 to the beginning of verse 35 how awesome things were often accomplished by faith. Right? This is the kind of stuff they often write about in like little children's books about the Bible. Awesome things accomplished by faith. And so we get to verse 32, and uh, like as a pastor, I just I feel his pain here. He's, he's like working his way through the Old Testament, and he's realizing, I'm only on book six. <laughs> there, there's a lot more to go. 33 books more to go. And so verse 32, he writes this, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of. And then he's just got to give a quick list. And the first four people listed are all found in the book of Judges. Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah. And then he mentions David and Samuel. We'll see them starting in the book of 1 Samuel and then into 2 Samuel and beyond. And the prophets. So, so there's this lots of focus, 22 verses to get us through the book of Genesis, a little bit on Exodus, some of Joshua, and now he's just saying, and then the rest of the Bible, right? Then, then the rest of the Hebrew Scriptures, the rest of the Old Testament. And he's going to tell us of some awesome things that were accomplished through the faith of these men. Now, we know if you know the Old Testament well, like the people who heard this originally would have, they would look at those names and be like, huh, that guy shows up in that list? Samson shows up in that list? Jephthah shows up in that list? They're looking at these people and knowing that these are all deeply flawed people. Yes. And look what God does when deeply flawed people live by faith. These are the kinds of things that God accomplishes. If we group them together in groups of three, you would see that in verse 33, we see people taking charge. Verse 33 starts out like this who through faith, okay, so all these things that follow are through faith. What did they do through faith? Here's these actions. Conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, and obtained promises. You could think of people in that list like David and his mighty men who accomplished great military feats. They conquered kingdoms. Enforced justice. The judges, to some degree, did this in the book of Judges. In a time when everybody was just doing what was right in their own eyes, God raised up deliverers to deliver his people during the time of Judges. Obtained promises. By faith in God and his promises, these men stepped up to take charge and accomplished awesome things through faith. And the list goes on in the rest of verse 33. Into verse 34. It says, stopped the mouths of lions. Remember the prophet Daniel in the lion's den? Stop the mouths of lions. He's not eaten by them. Quenched the power of fire. Remember Daniel's three friends in the fiery furnace, not even burned. Escaped the edge of the sword. A number of people would fit into that category, including the prophet Elijah, who got away from Ahab and Jezebel. 
You see how this message of God accomplishing awesome things through these people by faith would be encouraging to people who in the first century as Christians were facing increasing persecution. To be reminded, oh, no, by faith, these people in our history, our own people, by faith, they conquered kingdoms, they escaped the edge of the sword, they were not, oh, maybe we can make it, they think. Verses, verse 34b continues in this way. We're made strong out of weakness. All throughout the Old Testament, don't we see that? God choosing the weak, God choosing the ugly, God choosing the younger, right? Made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war. Little David just bringing the lunch, and then, and then there's Goliath, remember this? Put foreign armies to flight, a number of them doing that. This would be so valuable for persecuted Christians hearing, receiving this letter of Hebrews, reminded that, hey, through faith, God has used weak, flawed people to accomplish awesome things for His glory. And one more, verse 35, begins this way. Women received back their dead by resurrection. You might remember both the prophets Elijah and Elisha causing a a dead son to be raised to life uh, for the sake of a grieving mother. How did all those awesome things get accomplished? We saw it right there, through faith, right? Through faith, all of these awesome things were accomplished. But did you notice, like I said, when I was reading this passage, how the tone even of my voice shifted because the tone of the passage certainly shifts right there in the middle of verse 35. Right there in the middle of verse 35, we're going to start to see not only did by faith God's people accomplish awesome things, they also were forced to accept awful things. Look at verse 35. Right after it says women received back their dead by resurrection, it says this, some were tortured refusing to accept release. And notice the reason there. So that they might rise again to a better life. God's people by faith, like I think the the mistake in our day of understanding what it means to live by faith is we get that all mixed up with this prosperity gospel junk. This this, uh, this thinking positive thoughts and demanding things of the Lord by faith and thinking he, he, I'm, 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 he's indebted to me and so if I, if I have enough faith then I'm going to escape all of these bad things and I'm going to acquire all of these good things by my faith. And if that's the message we see here, then let's go for it, but that's not the message we see here. What happens to people who live by faith? Not only do they accomplish awesome things, some get tortured. Refusing to accept release. Why is it again? Notice what it says there. So that they might rise again to a better life. It's not a group of people expecting that God owes it to them that they would live their best life now, but instead that their best life is yet to come. What it might look like to live by faith right now in the first century as persecution is rising for the original audience here, it might look like this. Living by faith means you get tortured. And when you could maybe be released by 
denying Christ, you refuse to be released. Verse 36. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. You might recall the prophet Jeremiah. That's the book of the Bible I'm reading through right now, the book of Jeremiah. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. But this man, for being faithful by faith, saying what God wants him to say to the people, he gets beaten, he gets put in stocks. He's called the weeping prophet because he spends a lot of his time just crying because his life is is torn apart because of his obedience to God. Because he's living by faith, his life is miserable by all earthly standards. He, he questions why he was even born. Yet he's living by faith. He didn't get miraculously rescued by faith. He was beaten and thrown in jail. He wasn't the only one. There's more. Verse 37. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. That's hard even to read. This is, this is graphic, but it was reality. The people who lived by faith in God accepted those kinds of things. It goes on in verse 37 to say this, They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated of whom the world was not worthy. Prophets of the Old Testament were not the kind of guys that you see on TBN. I stayed at a hotel when I was at this preaching workshop. There's like 18 uh, channels. And like, I, just, I want to see how high my blood pressure can get before bed. So I just started flipping through uh, these religious programming channels. Ridiculous stuff that's being peddled in the name of Jesus, right? Prophets of our day are the ones living in multi-million dollar homes, flying on private jets, and wearing designer suits. But in this day, the prophets were those who went about in skin of sheeps and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. The kind of people, like if they were in your family, you would have been embarrassed by them. But then he adds this line in verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy. The world was not worthy of these faithful men of God who would go and proclaim the very word of God. God should have given up on his people by then. And then as God sends a prophet and they, and they disobey and beat and stone that prophet, even kill that prophet, God should have just given up on them, shouldn't he? The world was not worthy of these spokesmen for God, but by giving these men to these rebels, God was giving them better than what they deserved. And so they wandered about, it says in verse 38, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. You can see how this part of the passage too was necessary for persecuted Christians living in the first century because they saw these kinds of things starting to happen in their own day. Maybe they woke up that morning wondering if they were next. 
Maybe a son saw his mom get beat because of their faith in Christ. Chapter 11 is really just an illustration of, listen, listen, look back at at everything in your past that has shown how God has commended people living by faith in order why. The last verse of chapter 10, chapter 10, verse 39, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their, their souls. The call of the book of Hebrews is endure by faith. Stick with Jesus. He's better. Your, your best life is not now. Your best life is yet to come. You might in this life endure the same kinds of things that God's people have endured for centuries. Expect that to happen, but stick with Jesus because he is better. Because it's only by faith that you will be commended. And that's what we see in verses 39 and 40. And all these, it says in verse 39, though commended through their faith. So he's, again, looking back at all those in the Old Testament, commended, uh, receiving God's approval through their faith, but they did not receive what was promised. Right? They were looking ahead to something that God had promised, but had not yet provided for them. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. We saw this back in verse 13, that they had not yet received what was promised. Pastor Nick walked us through that. It said in verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, right? So so they saw these things, the conviction of things not seen, that they looked then ahead to, and this was the grounding of their faith, things yet to come. And God, now in our day and in the day of these Christians here in the first century, had provided us with Jesus and all of the benefits of the new covenant in his blood. Something better. And it's through him that all who trust in him would one day be made perfect. So both the Old Testament saints, so do that picture again, yeah, there it is, okay? The Old Testament saints and us today all saved by God's grace through faith. Them, faith in the one who was yet to come, us in the one who has come and is coming again. Our hope is in the something better that God has both promised and provided. Our faith is in Christ alone. So that's the end of Hebrews chapter 11. What application is there for us in this? Well, I just kept noting how living by faith led to certain actions. And so I just want to Notice that as we look at applying this to ourselves. Four points. One, living by faith, we must obey. Living by faith, we must obey. You look at the world around us, and some of you, the primary thing that you feel when you look at the world around us is fear. It's a scary, scary world. And maybe even at the same time, you can look at the world around us, and you can be really attracted to it. The world is both scary and alluring at the same time, isn't it? And our natural reaction to a world that's scary or alluring would be that we just pursue whatever we think will bring us comfort, pleasure, and security. That's to, if you're a normal person, those are things that you will be attracted to. Comfort, pleasure, and security. Whatever the world can offer me in the way of comfort, pleasure, and security, I'm going to chase after that. 
But in this passage, I think especially by looking at the life of Moses, who considered the reproach of Christ of greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, who knew that he had a reward coming that was so much better than what he could get if he gave in, but chose instead to be mistreated with the people of God. I think we learn from Moses obedience. And I think a very practical application of that for us is that we need to recognize that money can really quickly, whether we have a lot of it or not very much, can quickly get a hold of us. But we need to be people who, like Moses, consider the reproach of Christ greater wealth than worldly treasure. Not living in fear of the world we see around us. reminded that our faith, our hope, is anchored in something so much better. So we're not like looking at election results like our hope depends on this. Right? That we're looking at a, in, a, in a totally different direction. Do, do, does that matter? Yes, that matters. But we want to be people who are regularly looking to something that is so much more sure and so much more firm and so much more secure. We don't look and pursue earthly comforts, pleasure, and security we instead live by faith that looks like obedience to Christ. Choosing, you know, like rather than like I'm going to hold on, I, I recognize money can get a grip on me. One of the things that I want to do then, and I just want to give it away. I want to be generous for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of me not starting to treasure it. I just want to be generous in giving it away. Two, living by faith, we may see awesome things accomplished. This is true. Like, this is really possible that God would be at work in some weak, flawed, no way is he ever going to use me kind of way. Those are the kind of people that God often works through. One of my favorite passages is, is 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 2. And there, Paul acknowledges this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Starting in verse 26, it says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. He's looking at you saying, hey, your resume is bad. Like you don't have a lot going for you. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Living by faith, we, weak, flawed people, might see God accomplish awesome things through us. And he does it so that, so that it's pretty clear, like, well, it's not that guy doing it. There's no way that she would have been one that God, that, that, that could accomplish these awesome things on her own. Yet God chooses the weak and the lowly and the despised who live by faith that they might accomplish, that he might accomplish awesome things through them. Number three, living by faith, we may need to accept some awful things. When Trilla Chan was here with us two weeks ago, he told us how he was beaten for an hour and a half for his faith in Christ unable to walk for three days, and we have brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the world who endure things like that and worse on a regular basis. I think of Jim Elliott, murdered by the Waodani people in the jungles of Ecuador, yet God would use his death 
to save many from hell. Let's not be people who are quick to complain and live in fear of all the awful things that might happen, but instead choose to live by faith in Christ, not shrinking back, but enduring by faith, even accepting awful things as we live by faith. And then finally, number four, living by faith, we will receive what God has promised and provided. We know this. Living by faith, we will receive what God has promised and provided. We live by faith. Again, not a blind leap in the dark, but a trust based on evidence. We are sure. We have the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We have some of that now. In Christ, we who trust in Jesus. And by the way, let let me just mention to you, if you do not trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, you don't have these things. You lack faith and therefore you lack commendation by God. You lack God's approval and you're not going to do enough to earn it. This is only one by faith. But we who have it, we have this now. The assurance of salvation we can have now. We are reminded, even as we're going to sing here in a little bit, that, that Jesus Christ, the Lord, died upon the tree in the stead of ruined sinners. And in Him, right now, we can have forgiveness of sins, justification, declared righteous before God. All that is ours now, in Christ. And what God has promised, He will also provide yet more in the future. We who are adopted into His family now will one day have a better inheritance. We, We sang about that. Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance now and always. Romans chapter 8 verse 30 says this, And those whom he predestined he also called, and those whom he called he also justified, and those whom he justified he also glorified. It will come to be. So much so that Paul even puts that, even though it hasn't happened yet, in the past tense. So confident that this is yet to come. What a foretaste of deliverance we're going to sing. How unwavering our hope. Christ in power resurrected as we will be when he comes. We will be. We're not there yet. Our best life isn't now. But we live by faith now knowing what is yet to be. Let's pray. Father, on our own, uh, we know that we would be. That's why we have to have your word. Because on our own, we would be of those who shrink back and are destroyed. Because we look at the world around us, and it looks really attractive and really scary all at the same time. And it's so natural for us to just chase after the things of the world. But God, thank you that through your grace, by faith, we can live with assurance, with conviction, with confidence, not in ourselves, but in you. That you have promised and provided us with something better. Your Son, the wondrous mystery that those saints of old in my ugly little drawing were looking ahead to in faith. Help us to live by faith. Help us to have our eyes firmly fixed on Jesus, our feet firmly planted on the rock-solid foundation of all that you've revealed in your word. Remind us of these things even as we sing now. Please plant these truths deep in us. In Jesus' name, amen.
All right, if you're able, please stand. Let's sing one more time. <laughs>